after the withdrawal symptoms. I really did not miss it. I didn't feel unconnected. I didn't feel like I was missing out on any important information. The people I wanted to talk with, I still did. I still had email and other ways to connect. And I became more creative. I started to do more and I read more. I know you just heard withdrawal symptoms there at the beginning, but as ominous as that sounds, this is not an episode about drug addiction. Though actually, it kind of is. Just like with other types of addiction, users are thinking about it even when not using it. Their mood has changed when on it, have fights about its use, and when trying to quit, have withdrawal symptoms and often relapse. What is it? Social media. Now, before you tune out, no, this is not a sermon on the evils of social media. Like most things, it's not a black and white issue. Case in point, the person you heard that got over the withdrawal symptoms, that didn't miss it anymore, that got all these beautiful things out of it. Yeah, that's me. But back from April 2022, cat from the past, we'll call her. And all those perks were true. One measurable example, I read 31 books in 2022 versus 21 the year before. Yes, I'm one of those book nerds that sets and tracks reading goals. (laughs) Being off social, let me read 10 whole more books, among a bunch of other things. And yet, after nine months off, dipping back in. Is it a relapse, a doomed to fail test, or an intentional re-engagement? I'd like to think it's the latter, but I can't be sure. To be honest, I'm conflicted. At least in that, I'm not alone. It's very useful to open yourself up to the world and to ingest new information and to see and get inspired by what people are doing. But when that starts sliding into the comparison side of the scale, that's when you need to know when to be able to shut it off and how to deal with the problem that's actually underlying it. Because it's a symptom of some emotions that you're going through. That's Daria, a Russian-born, UK and Spain-raised Berliner. And as a mental health expert, she's both got a special perspective and is the perfect example that this still kind of new online world is something we all struggle with. The fact that social media is younger than I am freaks me out. And no, I am not 100 years old. My journalism education also, though, required me to have a balanced combo about the topic. So... I also chatted with someone from the inside, influencer marketing consultant, Christo. I'm Christo. I'm, I'm a queer person. I'm living in Berlin. I'm French. I love clubbing. I love fashion. I love the world of appearance in general. And for the past few years, I've also been very interested in the, the inside, the beauty inside of you. I like spirituality. I like philosophy and sociology a lot. Feminism, queer ecology, animal cruelty, all that kind of stuff. Everything that is pretty linked to 
white cis male domination. And out of that, I'm working into the digital marketing area. So I work with influencers, YouTubers. Yeah, I love the job. I love this fast-paced environment where everything changes from a day to another one. So if like me, you're unsure about your relationship with social media, whether to call it quits, have a break, or try to work it out, this episode is for you. Side note, remember the days you weren't official with someone until you updated your Facebook relationship status? Bananas. Anyway, no, I won't give you a definitive answer. Just like with any other relationship, only you can know what's right for you. But Daria, Christo, Kat from the past, and I will share our six challenges and how we're tackling them, including practical tips to help you form your own action plan. Is your muse gasping for air? Between busy schedules and inner demons, creativity is easily drowned. The Creating in the Margins podcast is your lifeline. Every month, get inspo from diverse creatives making their challenging passion projects a reality in the margins of their lives. Plus, I, your host, storyteller, and globetrotter Kat Rundell, slay pesky doubts alongside you, covering everything from feeling like a shadow artist to toxic productivity. Yes, you'll want to stick around to the very, very end to get a laugh from bloopers and outtakes. Now, Let's add some color to your margins. Challenge one, comparison. There's a fine line between inspiration and comparison when on social. And Daria got to the heart of what makes the difference. I think it's very easy in moments when you're feeling insecure and not certain about the future to use comparison as a sort of medicine. Like, let me see what other people are doing so that I can like get some ideas or reassure myself that I'm doing okay, as opposed to actually just sitting with the whole emotion of being not feeling very good right now, which is totally fine. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that immediately set up a bell in my head. Social media often feels like an amplifier of what you're already feeling. If you go in lost and not feeling great, comparison pops up. The key is recognizing those moments. I've actually started developing this nice little voice, which is like, okay, we've had enough now. Like, Time to put the phone down because you're doing that thing that you do when you're actually feeling just not really sure of what you're doing. And this is not the answer. So I think the learning of that being, again, a coping mechanism has really helped because it's, I think it's about a balance. As someone that's been diagnosed with PTSD and coaches millennials on how to bounce back from tough experiences, Daria is a perfect source on how to counteract unhealthy tendencies. Yet she also reminds us that comparison in and of itself doesn't need to always be seen as a bad thing. Comparisons are completely natural because we that's how we benchmark. Living a life without kind of benchmarks is, is kind of difficult because then it just gets very overwhelming. Comparison is a natural human tendency. 
as we also covered in episode one devoted to comparisonitis. But social media has definitely increased the number of people we compare ourselves to. And we see much smaller snippets of their life, rarely the full picture. It's always important to not beat yourself up over comparing yourself, but rather learn to be aware of when it pops up and counteract it. Practical tip, if you notice certain people, even if they were inspiring to you at other times in your life, triggering comparisonitis, it is a-okay to mute them. Challenge number two, perfectionism. You know something that can feel like a safeguard against comparison? Striving to be the person others aspire to. I used to live for others. I used to feel like I dressed for the others until the day I realized that the, the reason why I was doing this was just for myself, just to please myself and just to feel completely myself and showing myself to the world the way I want it to be. So it's more of an internal fight, but I want things to be perfect. Like it's the same with my outfits, for example. I want my outfits to be perfect, but I mean perfect in the way I find it perfect because some people are going to be like, wow, this is just such a weird style, for example. So yeah, it's very internal, but it used to be external. Funny how things can change, but still stay the same, right? Often when we solve one problem, a new one pops up. Krista moved from dressing for others to pleasing themselves. But it turned out they were an even harsher critic. The good news? Every time you overcome a roadblock, you learn more about yourself, which lets you tackle the next one better. For Christo, putting themselves in an environment where perfectionism just wasn't possible was the antidote. I worked in a startup and... In two years, I did a work over five years experience and everything was moving so fast that I didn't really have a choice to sometimes let it go and say, okay, let's send this email. It's not perfect. We could do better, but let's just remember that we can do better for next time. So you still have this thing here in your, in your gut or in your heart or in your throat, like something stuck, but it's fine. Just swallow and it's going to be okay. <laughs> That's pretty much how I feel completely. Practical tip? For me, I've decided to use my procrastination tendencies as a way to fight perfectionism. I give myself deadlines, publicly announced ones are the best, and because I tend to not get started until fairly close to the date, I don't even have the time to obsess and redo a gazillion times. It needs to just get out there. Warning. Full transparency. This does sometimes bite me in the bum, and it's not a sustainable strategy. But doing this a few times with new creative projects lets me learn how to put things out quicker without needing the time crunch in the future. Perfectionism is also often a mask for fear, which brings us to challenge three. The internet is forever. I devalue my own opinion before it even gets a chance to be expressed. There's this mechanism of, okay, I'm very scared of people not liking what I'll say or disagreeing with it in a way that's rude and will make me sad. And on social media, this can be quite prevalent, right? 
So in order for me to express something that nobody will disagree with and nobody will judge and nobody will misinterpret and nobody will get offended by, I need to put it into the perfect sentence or post or email or podcast or recording, whatever. And yeah, that's the fear of speaking up. Speaking up is scary. And yeah, social media can be an unkind place. The more you push through, you learn that even when you don't get things right, there's good in that too. On my social media on the past where, where I was doing more blogging and I was talking about who I was and I was talking about gender and I was very scared that I was using the, word, the wrong terms and the wrong words and but I would regret it afterwards. And now when I look back at it, yes, of course, I, today I wouldn't say the things exactly the way I said this. But the result of this is that I felt really good and that I got, I received love and I was reassured by my family and by my friends. So there's always going to be a positive outcome of things. Yeah, I tend to always like see the positive outcome of things in general. It's, it's just better for myself, <laughs> I guess. More often than not, there is some sort of positive outcome to be found in speaking up. We're also all adults here, and sometimes, you know, bad things happen too. That's why, practical tip, wield that block button liberally. My policy? While I'm always open for constructive criticism, I make mistakes, and I'm always open to learning and growing, I have a zero-tolerance policy towards hate. It will be reported, deleted, and blocked with no response. So don't bother sending it my way. Speaking of putting yourself out there, that's a whole bag of fun in and of itself though. Challenge number four, being authentic. Yes, I'm putting air quotes around that. Find out why after a quick break. Are you an online business owner loving the thought of spending less time on social or gasp? No time at all? But then, this next thought immediately follows. How will people discover me? Won't that hurt my business? Well, here's the good news. It's not just possible, but even profitable to lessen your death grip on social media. When I decided to make the transition, one of the first things I did was turn to online business veteran and social media free entrepreneur, Leonie Dawson. She's got a great course on marketing without social media that'll give you 150 ways to market your bids off social. Head to tellonpurpose.com slash social free to build your business and market in a more joyful and sustainable way. Ah. Authenticity, one of my favorite buzzwords. Seth Godin, in his book, The Practice, makes one of my favorite comparisons to dismantle the hype around authenticity. Because do you know who the most authentic people are? Toddlers. <laughs> they don't get the candy at the checkout aisle. 
Tantrum. No jumping on the sofa? Tantrum. Can't reach the top shelf? Tantrum. I think you know where I'm going with this. But honestly, if you're looking for someone to tell you their opinion, hashtag no filter, toddlers are your best bet. But we stop acting like toddlers at some point. Okay, granted, some people never do. But if you're listening to this pod, I'm pretty sure that's not you. We learn to filter what we say, are mindful of social norms, and just like generally learn to adult. That being said, too much filtering ends up being a distortion of reality, both when it comes to images and words. I have a mechanism in my mind which goes, okay, let me edit what I'm going to say. And anybody that writes for a living, of course, knows that there are two modes, right? There's the writing mode, and then there's the editing mode. And they're completely different. So one is about expressing, the other one is about tweaking. And when you're talking or getting your work out there, having too much of one versus the other is also like quite challenging and it can create lots of problems. For me, these problems lie in that, yeah, I I just over-edit anything I say. That drive to over-edit, as Daria says, can be strong. Even veering into misleading. As Krista found, though, it's not worth it. I often did things, especially on social media, on my personal social medias, for likes and for for the following and just to show something that is not you, 100%, yeah, I'd say. Now I just feel like I don't want any more bullshit in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm getting too old for that. And, and by the, at the end of the day, there's, there's going to be people who follow your social media as well, and they know you personally, and they're going to see things that are different. I need to be real, and I, I need it to be real and authentic. It's really important for me with the people we collaborate with, but it's also important in my personal life. That reality check is something I've also often felt is useful. Through my work, I've regularly met in person someone that I had seen me online before. And one of my favorite compliments is when someone said I was the same person as online. But I also know it's not one-to-one. Social has my best pictures, and my partner has commented I have a podcast voice. By the way, you should be happy about that. (laughs) I speak even faster and less clearly in real life. And for years, social has been a part of my business. So my filter has always been, is this relevant for the person I want to connect and work with? When it came to a lot of parts of my personality and life outside of work, the answer usually was no. Sure, I didn't hide anything and did include the occasional personal info, but I was always mindful of keeping the focus on providing value. What I'm doing now? This practical tip might feel less practical on the surface, more like the opposite of less social media, but hear me out, having two profiles. Until now, I've run my business under my name, 
My name was my business. My business was me. <laughs> that has felt more and more constricting over time, which is why I've decided we'd have a healthier relationship living in separate homes. All my storytelling and podcasting work now lives under Tell On Purpose Productions. And my name, I get to keep that for me. I'm doing the same on social. Under Tell On Purpose, I'll continue putting the focus on you, on sharing stuff of value. And under my name, I get to be just me. Sharing pictures of my adorable pup photo, home decor projects, art experiments, travels, whatever tickles my fancy. Now, why have a personal account at all, you may ask? Many reasons, but my two main ones are. One, I noticed that I'm really bad at taking pictures and videos with no place to stick them. And while I definitely don't aim to be someone that can't eat a meal without taking a picture for the gram first, I actually did miss not being able to look back at my year visually. I want to keep that diary type thing going and share the cool stuff going on beyond work. Reason two, staying connected. And even Kat from the past realized that. I'm not going to lie and say it's all sunshine and roses without social. I had somebody that I met in person ask me, oh, I didn't see that you got a puppy on Instagram because that's where they had been hearing about me and finding out about my life. I actually had two people that I met via email connection promptly say that they followed me on Instagram to stay connected there. It is a usual way that people do decide to build these connections. And yes, the people that I can help and the people that I could work with are on social media. That is not a lie. Daria, actually, was the perfect example of someone I got to meet because of social. I saw something that you posted a while back in there, so I followed you on Instagram. And then I started looking at your content and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I just, I just really enjoyed that you seem to be being yourself online. And I was like, this is the person that I would just like to just have kind of a conversation with at some point. So yeah, there are positive reasons to be on social, to have those two accounts. But I won't ignore one of the biggest reasons why not to. Challenge number five, wasting time. Cat from the past and I still agree about this one. Wanting my time and brain back. So this is actually less of a confession about using social media for business, but on a personal side. When the pandemic started and we started quarantining, I became one of those people that discovered TikTok. Yes, I was firmly before in the camp of making fun of it and anybody who used it and thinking it was just teenagers dancing around to stupid songs. <laughs> and sure, there is some of that in there for sure. But yeah, it's also a very smart company that has an algorithm that can figure out what you like and give you that type of stuff. So my feed was social justice and queer topics and yes, also cute videos of cats and puppies. And I kind of became addicted. It would be what I grabbed whenever I wanted to take a break and I would always say, oh, just like a couple minutes and then a couple minutes would turn into much, much more. I tried to use the screen time app on my phone to limit how often I would spend of it, but I would just end up saying, oh no, just me unlock it and add 15 more minutes here and there. 
and it was taking up a lot of my time and brain space because I was not letting myself have free space. And the same thing happened, I noticed, when I went back to social media in my business. Here, it wasn't so much that I was spending so much time on the platforms consuming, but the creation process was hefty. I'm not someone that just throws something up there without thought, and I was creating a lot of content that took me a lot of time to create. So one big thing was noticing my brain and my time is not really being used very well here. Social media is time consuming. That's what it was made for after all. Social platforms goal is to have you spend as much time as possible on them. And a bunch of smart people are great at making you do just that. Here is though where a cat from the past has been a huge help and show me what guide rails I need so it doesn't suck me in and bleed me dry. <laughs> Practical tip number one, removing social media from your phone. If those screen time limits work for you, that's great. Not for me, unfortunately. My solution is more drastic. Completely removing the apps from my phone. Scrolling reels on your laptop is a lot less satisfying, let me tell you. And I don't pop in real quick on social media to fill random time pockets. Practical tip number two, not catering to social. Now, this one might seem like a contradiction. Why go back to social in the first place if I am not going to invest in it? Well, because of things I want out of it. Connection, providing value, journaling. They don't demand I cater to some ever-changing algorithm. I'm not investing money in these platforms. I'm not staying up to date on the latest trends. And most importantly, I'm not spending time creating specifically for social media. Wait, you might be thinking now. If you're not creating specifically for social, what are you going to post about, Kat? The answer is actually what I'm creating to also tackle the last challenge we'll cover in this episode. Challenge number six, lack of depth. Remember how I wanted not just my time, but my brain back? Beyond just wasting time, it was what I was wasting it on that bugged me big time. Here's Kat from the past to explain. I actually wanted to create something that went deeper, that actually dissected different ideas, that had the space to actually be thoughtful, not just like, here's a quick snippet. So I read Colin Newport's deep work. And it made me realize how so much of that attention I was giving was kind of a band-aid to not have to do that deep work because, spoiler alert, it is actually hard. <laughs> it is a lot easier to spend time on social than it is to sit down, do research, you know, figure out what you want to say, structure that. It is a lot more work and our brains have a tendency to like to do things that are easier. But I don't want something that's easy. I want to have meaning because that's a thing. While those things were easy, they didn't leave me satisfied or happy. At the end of the day of doing something the entire time, it's never like I didn't work. I still felt like I didn't do anything. 
because it didn't do anything of substance that actually made a difference. Like there's always some things that we have to do which are not like substantive, but it's kind of what the ratio is. And I didn't feel like I actually had the time to do things of substance. So I really realized, hey, I wanna create more good quality stuff rather than a lot of shallow, superficial, quick little things here and there. That is still 100% true. And my break from social allowed me to do just that. I launched this podcast, developed home purpose. I'm in the middle of production for the Please Like Me podcast and regularly share the behind the scenes and useful info in my inside story newsletter. It's that creation of content with depth that makes me feel okay with going back on social because social will simply be an amplification tool for the content I'm creating on my own platforms. And that deep work will remain my focus, not catering to the social media gods. Practical tip, you probably already know this, but it bears repeating because I see peeps falling into this trap time and time again. I know I did. You don't own any of your social platforms. You can be locked out, hacked, your content deleted, or the organizations that actually own it decide, hey, you need to pay to even show up on anybody's radar anymore. Don't give them all your stuff. Make sure what you create lives in places you own. Your website, your newsletter, your podcast, and so on. Cool? Then you're in a good spot to take advantage of social to reach your goals, like world domination. (laughs) Just kidding. But if you and I are anything alike, making a difference is on that list. It is for Christo. It's important for me to send a message, but also it's also a choice of me to show this part of my identity. Queer is a umbrella term with many meaning in there, but queer is also political. And identifying as queer, I refuse to be a male. It's a strong and important thing for me to do so because I refuse to be part of this part of society, this patriarchy that I never understood and that I still don't understand that I'm fighting against. I I just don't want to be part of it. (laughs) We need people like Christo that are making a difference from the inside out. Like Daria, that reflect on how to safeguard our mental health. And me? I firmly believe we need to hear diverse voices to create an equal world. And that includes on social, for better or worse. I hope this episode helped you in your own journey of improving your relationship with social media. Or hey, even dumping it. Here are the six challenges we covered and practical tips to overcome them. Challenge number one, comparison. Tip, your feed is like your home. Only invite people that uplift you, not pull you down. Challenge number two, perfectionism. Tip, Set deadlines and limit the time you get to spend on creating before publishing. Challenge number three, 
the internet is forever. Tip: Use both your voice and the block button liberally. Challenge number four: Being authentic. Tip: Find a way where you don't feel constrained to only show parts of you. For me, that's separating my personal and business profiles. Challenge number five: Wasting time. Tip number one: Set limits on your time on social, or even remove the apps completely from your phone. Tip number two: Don't feel like you have to cater to social. You don't need to jump on every latest trend. Challenge number six: Lack of depth. Tip: Use social to amplify. What you create in places you own. Okay, that felt like a very quick simplification, almost of everything we covered. And while I find here are the main points to take away segments useful, which is why I do them, a reminder that this is not a recipe. I'm on the journey with you. Cap from the past, made the right decision for ourselves by quitting social. It's not that social media does not have benefits. For me, it's that the trade-off is too big at the moment. What I lose through that is not worth what I gain. And while cat of today, actually, let's do that again. Talking about yourself in the third person is super awkward. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> okay. And while I think it's worth re-engaging again today, I may be wrong. Or that might change. Follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn to come along for the journey. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, yes. Now that I'm back, kinda, sorta, and connection is one of my goals. The Inside Story newsletter is still the best one-stop shop to get the juicy behind the scenes. All the links are in the show notes. Now, let's get social again. Want a chance at an extra special shout out on the Inside Story newsletter? Then make sure to leave a rating and review, and you might just get featured. Not sure how to leave a review? I've got you. I created a quick video walkthrough for you at creatinginthemargins.com. Can't wait to hear from you. As promised at the top, here are some fun outtakes and bloopers from today's episode. Enjoy. One measurable One measurable example. I've been trying to embrace the sort of generalist generalist side of me. Important reminder here. Important reminder here. <laughs> that was my doc Bodo, who also wants to be part of this conversation. <laughs> This session is adjourned. <laughs>